Check one. What's up? My guest today is the awesome Faye Sheridan. Faye is a gym owner at Total Movement in Subiaco. She's a powerlifter and she is a women's integrative health practitioner. The podcast has definitely been a bit of a boys club so far, so I wanted to get Faye on to talk all things female fitness. I think we, myself included, will learn a lot from this chat. So fellas, do not tune out. This stuff is important. As always, be a legend and subscribe on whatever platform you're using. Rate and review and share a screenshot of the potty on your socials. Make sure you tag us because we love reposting them. Thank you, as always. Welcome, guys, to episode 59 of the Smith Fitness Podcast. We have our first female on the podcast. It's taken me too long. Like I said uh, before I press record, Faye, it's been a bit of a boys club. So today we have Faye Sheridan on. Faye is the coach, owner at Total Movement. She's a powerlifter. She's a women's integrative health practitioner. She's going to let us know what that's all about. Uh, we're going to talk all things female fitness. Welcome, Faye. Thank you Thank for being you. on the Thanks podcast. So Congratulations Thanks being so female number one. Um, we're doing this via Zoom as well, guys. Faye was going to come down, but she's busy. She's got things to do. <laughs> so I saved her the trip. So we're doing it over Zoom. So it'll be in two parts again. Faye. There's heaps of stuff we can talk about today. I'm going to try and keep you on track. you got to try and keep me on yeah. track. Um, firstly, tell us your story, your background in fitness, how you got into the industry, starting your gym um, and putting your focus towards women's health. You have the floor. Off you go. Cool. God, where do I start? Um, so my kind of sporting journey started when I was younger. I competed in competitive swimming. And then I also competed at a quite a high level in netball as well. Nice. And then I, um, I was, my work started in finance. So I haven't always been in the health and fitness industry. Yep. So I was in the finance industry until about 2012 mm -hmm. and then I left that industry and decided to study PT in Melbourne. Um, I was super lucky in Melbourne to have amazing uh, mentors over there so they were uh, strength and conditioning coaches um, at gyms as well as some of the um, some of the guys were taking the lectures and yeah my passion for lifting weights started with my uh, doing my PT cert the guy that was the head um, guy that was doing the certification he taught me how to lift and then yep. the rest is history yep. so um, I then came back to Perth after I had my son um, so my son is eight, going on eight years old now yeah and when I started in the fitness industry I guess for me a lot of the women that were coming to me were either mothers or they were women going through perimenopause, yep. which are probably the hardest, <laughs> hardest um, people to deal with as far as having hormone imbalances. Um, I didn't really know much about hormone imbalances back then, but what I did do is even seven years ago, I was tracking my female clients cycle. Okay. had no idea what to do with the information, but I was tracking it. I knew it was something that I needed to track. I had the data, yeah. yeah. Um, I knew that women felt shit at certain times of their cycle, and so I was just tracking that. And then from there in, there on in, I just got really – I just kind of educated myself on it and then 
as the years have gone past, I've um, really thrown myself into the health side of things with health and fitness. Yeah, cool. What about starting Total Movement? How long have you guys been open for now? Oh, yeah. I forgot about Total Movement. Don't forget about that. <laughs> Total Movement is coming up to three years. It's, well, not coming up, but three years in November. Yep. Um, it was always a vision that I had to um, create a space that wasn't just lifting. Yep. Um, before I was... Uh, I was a PT, but I was also a Pilates instructor. Yeah, were you just and doing PT saw, in like um, just regular commercial gyms or what sort of I was PT were you doing? Um, yeah, I was in a commercial gym. So yeah. I was at Peak, oh, Peak Body. I don't know if you know it in North Beach. Um, it rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, I was there. And then before that in Melbourne, I was at another commercial gym called South Pacific. Yep. So, um, yeah, had some experience in a commercial gym and then also had my Pilates certification on the side of that. So I did like a diploma in Pilates, which is like rehab, prehab stuff as well. Yep. So, um, but what I was doing, I was working in the Pilates studio and I was seeing women come through and they were wanting to get stronger and lose weight while doing Pilates. And it would used, used to do my head in. It's going to take a so very long said, time. <laughs> a very long time. And um, then I met Tone, my partner, and yep. he owned Peak Body. So that's how I met him. Okay. Yep. And um, he wanted, he was on the same page. He wanted to create a space that had like all different aspects of movement. And so that's kind of how Total Movement came about. He got out of Peak Body and then we created Total Movement, which is, it has reformer Pilates. Um, it's not our main focus like yep. it's kind of like we use it as a gateway so we use it as a gateway to get women in and then they can start kind of see what's going on down in the gym and then we try and get them in the strength room <laughs> <laughs> all right no that makes sense that's that's yeah. like um, i find you know having that um even though you are you know doing a number of things you have found that sort of niche is like all right all these gyms are gyms all there's pilates um, and it gets drummed into us to find your niche, find your niche in the fitness industry. Yeah. Um, and having those different aspects can sort of be in its own niche as sort of um, as much of a paradox as that is. It's all like, yeah, we yeah. do Pilates, but yeah, we do strength training. And then you can see that progression. And we're sort of similar. Like we do cross training, powerlifting, just general gym stuff and strength and conditioning as well. So it's a tough one when you're sort of opening your own thing. Because it's like, oh, yeah. should we just do Pilates? But then you're just another Pilates studio. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And it never sat well with me with the way that the industry, like the Pilates industry kind of um, promotes Pilates and what they promote it for and that yep. injury prevention and all of that stuff. So that yep. really didn't sit well with me. Um, so, yeah, that's how Total Movement came to fruition. And we just, we have a yoga aspect as well. So, yep. awesome. yeah. Awesome. That's cool. And you guys are in Subiaco? In Subi, yep. Awesome. In Subi at the moment, looking at potentially opening up another one. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. So as an exercise physiologist, I'm pretty used to getting the whole, what the fuck does that mean? So what is a women's integrative health practitioner? Fill Good me question. in. <laughs> I guess um, my definition of it is someone that looks at the whole person. So I look at the nutrition of the client or of the female. Mm -hmm. I look at the lifestyle. I look at her stress outside of, you know, training. 
Um, I look at gut, gut health. I look yeah. at blood markers now. Um, I look at their beliefs. So yeah. I kind of just, yeah, take everything. Bit of everything. I don't, yeah, I don't I just, like using I just the word that, holistic. I pulled that title from your Instagram bio, by the way. So that's what I've been yeah. playing with. Is that an actual, like, uh, like accreditation or like it, a course you did? Like that it is, it that is a course of, I yeah. Yeah, it's a okay. course I did. Um, I, yeah, it's a course I did. I probably would call myself more of an integrative coach rather than a practitioner. I just yeah. feel like that sounds. <laughs> yeah, but um, you always have it, to write something in those bios, right? Mine changes like every three yeah. weeks. I don't know if I'm a personal <laughs> trainer or a strength coach, exercise physiologist. Sometimes I just write all three of them in there. God knows what we so are. True. Um, yeah. All right, so that's good. Before we get stuck into yeah. everything else. Um, like I said, we could like there's a lot of information that we could put out there. We want to try and make it pretty simple while still giving you know the information that we want to. Let's quickly go over the menstrual cycle because that is where mm-hmm. um, a lot of your work sort of focuses on fixing these yeah. things for women. Um, so let's go over like I think the easiest way rather than go over all the hormones and changes in the hormones because I'm looking at a graph of it right now and it's kind of hard to explain. <laughs> There's a lot of mountains, there's yeah. a lot of dips, valleys, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, but I've got it here. I like. I know my knowledge will be a lot less than yours um, in regards to this because I've done this mm-hmm. research again this morning. Um, like I said, <laughs> there wasn't much of it throughout my degree or young AJ was just tuned out. All right. Yeah. Um, so let's go over the phases. We've got the follicle, follicular phase, ovulation, luteal phase, menstruation, Let's go over them. Go over them how you explain them normally because I know you'd go over this more than me. Cool. Yeah. So just putting a little disclaimer here, uh, this menstrual cycle that I'm about to talk about, it doesn't apply to someone that is on some sort of contraceptive drug. Um, So if you are someone that has a a menstrual cycle, so you're not on any drugs, um, we have, like you said, the follicular phase, so the follicular phase is the uh, phase that starts after the period, which is the bleed. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit. So day one of your cycle is the first day of your bleed, as yep. of a woman's bleed. Is that where, because when I was looking at it, I was like, where does day one start? Because some of the stuff that I was reading would have it like flipped. And then I was flipped, like, yeah. Where, yeah. where do we start here? So, all right, sweet. Yeah. Off you go. No, so day, day one is your first day of your full bleed. So it doesn't yep. include spotting. So full bleed. And then the follicular phase starts when your bleed finishes. So say if your bleed has gone for five days, yep. your day six is when your follicular phase starts. Okay. And the follicular phase then goes on to ovulation. So ovulation occurs and it's a it's a day it's literally 24 hours mm-hmm. um and uh so ovulation occurs and that's when there's a release of the egg and then mm-hmm. we go into the luteal phase uh the luteal phase is when uh progesterone is at its highest um mm-hmm. and estrogen at is, is at its highest at the peak of, of of ovulation and then that kind of dips down and then progesterone goes high. And then as we go back into another, like as we go into a period, another bleed, that's when the, so the first day of our next bleed is day one. And yep. say, if you had a 28 day cycle, uh, the 28, 28th day would be your last day of your cycle. So the day before your bleed. That's good. 
I like that. <laughs> I've got notes here, which makes it very yeah. easy for me. And I'm sort of putting you on the spot, even though you knew what I was going to talk about. And that's why we're talking to you about it. Um, the the um, thing that sort of, I don't know, made me remember a lot of this stuff was basically through those for like I want to put it simply for a guy yeah. through those three phases follicular phase ovulation luteal phase the lining of the uterus is getting prepared for pregnancy as if it's going to happen every single time sort of thing so the fo yeah. follicular phase is basically getting the egg ready ovulation the egg comes out um, yeah. luteal phase is like we're going to cook this egg or what? We're going to cook this egg. And then the menstruation is like, nah, and then it's done. So, so <laughs> a woman, a woman is actually only fertile for that one day. Yep. But um, so she's not fertile in her luteal phase. She's fertile for one day, but the thing is you can fall pregnant within six days of ovulation because sperm can survive for five, five to six days. Jeez. So that's why, like, if you ovulate and you've had, <laughs> we're going into a bit of sex ed here, but if you, if no, you this is have the stuff had I sex... tuned out on, that. like, even at high school, I was like, nah, don't need to know that yeah. stuff. You know what it's like. Yeah, I do know what it's like. So um, if you had sex three days before ovulation yeah. and, um, and then you ovulated, you know, three days after you had sex, you can still fall pregnant and the same either side as well. There is a great video um, that I saw you comment on on Instagram because um, I like that and follow as well uh, by Dr. Mike Todorovich. Yeah, yeah. He is um, a bit of a guru in a good way. Yeah. Um, it's like a little while back and it just says menstrual cycle in two minutes. That video yeah. broke it down very, very too simply. Too yeah. simply. So um, if you guys, if that. what we just went over then or what Faye went over then is a little bit confusing, which it is, um, go and watch that video, Dr. Mike on Instagram. Um, and it, he goes over it in two minutes and it makes it very simple and it makes a lot of sense. So that was something yeah. I saw you commented on, on it and I was like, yeah, the, this is right up my alley because it's only two minutes as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, when a we guy, look, it's a guy doing it as well. Yes, so that makes it yeah. even better. I mean, yeah. more impressive. That's it. <laughs> Um, what are some of the symptoms uh, related to menstrual cycle just in general? Because I know even with healthy menstrual cycles, you can have sort of symptoms throughout the cycle. And then let's talk about abnormal cycles as well. So what are the, what are the sort of symptoms throughout those stages um, that women go through? Um, and then what does a typical, if there is one, abnormal cycle look like? So if, uh, so a menstrual cycle in the first half of the cycle, the follicular phase, you should be feeling um, on top of the world. Um, you should be on your A game. Your training should be on, on you know, it should be perfect. You yep. should be high in energy. You should be uh, recovering well. So you shouldn't you be should limited feel... at all, basically, by what's happening. Not, not really, no. Yep. If you are limited in that first half of the, of the cycle, then there's definitely some um, imbalances going on. Yep. Um, and then as you go, as you pass ovulation and then go into the luteal phase, something that's super common with, with women is uh, water retention. So yeah. as we have that spike of estrogen and progesterone together um, in the second half of the cycle, 
we start to um, retain water a little bit more. We can get a little bit more bloated. Um, progesterone can slow our digestive system down. So weight, um, weight on the scale typically goes up. Weight on the scale can go up yep. definitely. And you can just feel puffy and like just like just holding more uh, water and fluid. Yep. Um, the only pain that you should really feel in a normal cycle is like a slight cramping for a, a, an hour to two hours before you start to bleed. Okay. So it's almost like a warning so, sign. It's Yeah, it's exactly that. Like it's, okay. it's a warning sign. It'll cramp a little bit and then you'll um, start to bleed. Okay. And um, what if, however, yeah. <laughs> good. No, carry I'm on. just saying that's a lot of women are experiencing way more than uh, what I've just mentioned. So that's so. like the perfect world. Like, yes, you will notice these few differences as you go throughout your sort of cycle. Um, you'll notice that these, I wouldn't even like, if they're not really a problem and they're just, and it's natural, it's not really a symptom of your, well, if you know what I mean, it's, yeah. it's not I a mean, symptom of those, an abnormal cycle. Yeah. Like those symptoms can be uh, more, what would I say? Like um, they could be heightened more if there's more yep. imbalance. So if you're gaining a lot more weight or you're, um, so your mood's definitely going to change. You're definitely going to feel more withdrawn and everything. But if you're getting severe mood swings, then that's definitely an imbalance. Yeah. So there's a difference between a change in mood and then like, yeah, just like flying so those, off the handle. Those, those little of symptoms of even a normal cycle are just, uh, if they're sort of exaggerated, then you yeah. know something's off. Okay, cool. Definitely. What about, so an abnormal cycle, and we could talk about like having no cycle at all as being, you know, obviously that's, the most abnormal it can be and there is a lot of women like that uh what is a typical abnormal cycle is it like over the top with cramping is it like um aches pains is it like run me through the gamut of what women experience when it's uh going to shit basically <laughs> so just to before i start that a normal cycle is between 24 and 35 days Mm -hmm. So anything shorter than that or anything longer than that is a bit of a red flag as well. And the average being 28? They say that, but I work with a lot of women and hardly any of them are 28 days. Okay. So yeah. the women, if I, if I take all the data that I have with the women that I work with, yep. I'm seeing more like 31, 32 days. Okay. Just to make um, it not four weeks to make programming harder. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, but as far as like uh, cycle symptoms go and like exaggerated cycle symptoms, there is so many, but I will rattle off a few and I'm sure that a lot of women can um, relate to this. So tender breasts, um, heavy bleeding, uh, severe mood swings. Um, what else have we got? Acne, um, yep. like cystic acne around the jawline is a big one um what else uh, gut issues so a lot of women i find um as they go into the luteal phase suffer with more like constipation or diarrhea mm -hmm. um what else have we got we've got um excess hair so that could be um you know on the face where it's not meant to be and losing hair as well so losing hair where you don't want to lose hair and gaining hair where you don't want to gain hair yeah um yeah, so uh, lower back pain is another one. Um, just like severe fatigue is is another one. I could go on. There's so yeah, many. Basically, yeah. anything you can think of. <laughs> yeah, clotting as well, yeah. like if in your blood, like clots as well. So yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. We're going to get through a lot of these sort of uh, abnormalities as well. 
I think you're really good at sort of informing women about the benefits of a healthy cycle. That's one thing. And like, to be honest, there'll be times where I'm like, I'm done with Faye today talking about this. Like, <laughs> um, and that's, that's a good thing. That's, I mean yeah. that respectfully. Um, okay, but you're, and you're obviously empowering them to do something about regaining that sort of regularity and saying like, look, this is important. Um, like, and you owe it to yourself to do something about it. From what you've seen and before we get to coaches um, and before we even get to sort of athletic populations, where do you think females themselves are going wrong when it comes to it? Are they not putting enough emphasis on it? Do they think it's not important? Are they just not educated? Um, where are females themselves uh, going wrong with it? I think we're definitely not educated enough. Um, and it starts from it starts from high school. It starts from you know primary school. We're never educated about it. Um, I just remember my mum telling me, like, you're going to get this bleed. It's going to be a pain in the ass and you're going to get pain from it. And that was just normalised. Yeah. And so um, I think it starts from, like, us, if we're parents. I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent. Yeah. Um, it starts with us, you know, one, us getting educated and two, educating either our, even our sons about it yeah. um, and, and, uh, and young girls, educating them on the menstrual cycle and how it shouldn't be painful. So it definitely starts at, at the younger ages um, and then... We're brought up to, to society brings us up to think that it is an inconvenience to us. Yeah. Um, but little do people know that a healthy menstrual cycle will prolong our life yeah. and um, we can use it to our, um, you know, we can use it to, how do I put this? Um, <laughs> like even with our training, it can, we can, it can, help our training and not hinder our training yeah so and, you're, you're um, sort of along the lines of if you're in tune with it you like it's gonna happen you're gonna have to deal yeah. with it in some way or another um and if you're in tune with it and treat it with respect if that for lack of a better term um you're going to be less affected by it 100 percent. yeah okay. the cool. more the more you track your cycle um the more you won't be surprised at what's going to come around the corner <laughs> um you'll be able to plan ahead, um, let your partner know <laughs> yep. so he's not um, in the dark. Um, yep. Yeah, it really does. It does come down to education. Yeah. Before and we get we, to anything else, is there like tracking your cycle? I assume there's some sort of app that does it, but can it just be as simple as like, like counting days, that sort of stuff? Like how would you go yep. about tracking a cycle? Yeah. Of, of course, there's an app. There's plenty of apps out there <laughs> for tracking your menstrual yep. cycle. Um, there, you can use your calendar if you want to use your calendar. Like I said before, day one is your first day of your bleed. And then um, obviously your uh, last day of your cycle is just before your next bleed. Yep. Um, I use an app. Most of my clients use an app. There's two different apps out there. So there's one app that's based off an algorithm. So it tracks your, it kind of dictates your fertile window window based yep. off an algorithm and not okay. the actual data that you're inputting. Yep. And then there's other apps out there that base your fertile window off the actual data that you're putting into I remember app. Kelly using one for fertile window when we were uh, first trying to conceive. Yeah. 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 All right. So that would be, that <laughs> so, would be um, exactly the same, well, the same sort of app. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And so if you're trying to avoid 
pregnancy and you're not taking any contraceptive drugs, this is where having an app that's based off the data that you're inputting rather than um, an algorithm app will be a bit more beneficial for a, okay. a data-based app. And let's yeah. let's get to that, the, um, the whole uh, contraceptive thing. You know, there's a, yeah. a whole bunch of different ones now. Um, yeah. And I know I've seen you talk about the impact that they have. Um, do you think that sort of goes into um, what we just spoke about then, like females and males, everyone not being uh, informed as to how um, the symptoms related to some of those contraceptives can sort of fuck you up for a better, lack of a better term? Can you just speak on that for yeah. a little bit? Like what, um, what sort of... What ones are there now? I know there's like the one in the arm and sure. then there's yeah. like Implanon so there's the, and then there's, there's the everything imp, else. Yeah. There's like general like pills and whether it's a progestin pill or like a mini pill or yep. like you've got your Diane and all those kind of pills. Um, then you've got the Implanon and then you've got things like a Marina, um, yep. which is, and then like the copper, a Marina IUD and then copper IUD as well. Yeah. Um, and then you've got things like injections. There's, there's so much out there. Um, the thing that it is, and I'm not anti these drugs, but I am anti the fact that people aren't educated on what the repercussions are of taking these, um, drugs yeah. are. Yeah. So what they're basically doing is they're suppressing ovulation. And so when you're, when you suppress ovulation, you suppress, uh, the hormones. So therefore you're not producing hormones in the body and, um, and doctors are giving out these, these drugs to kind of, you know, say if a, a woman goes into the doctor and she says, I don't have a menstrual cycle, which is super common in the health and fitness industry. Yeah. Um, it's called hypothalamic amenorrhea. And um, basically she hasn't got a period. I've had a client like this before. Five months without a period, she goes to a doctor and he gives her the pill so she gets a period. Yeah. Which isn't happening <laughs> the yeah. pill doesn't give you a period it gives you a bleed which makes it appear like you're having a period but it's not actually a period ah, okay. so this is where it gets so cloudy and m people are misinformed of what the pill is doing and then and i suppose you have to tread drugs. lightly as well with um i don't know, wouldn't say like judging people but yeah um you know, some people will say, well, I'm on such and such and it's been fine for me and that sort of stuff. And that's where the sort of education has to be sort of at the forefront of like how you're attacking this, sort of yeah. just teaching yeah. them, all right, well, you know, why are you on it in the first place? Do you need to be on it? Is there other things that you could be doing without having to take implant, do all this other yeah. thing, sort of more drastic measures? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, de it's definitely education and it stems back to, you know, in high school, we're told to just not fall pregnant. <laughs> like yeah. I thought, I thought that I could fall pregnant 365 <laughs> days of the year. Yep. Um, little did I know it's only like six days of a month. So yep. I think it starts with education first and um, yeah, going from there. And there's lots of, um, there's lots of repercussions that come from taking those contraceptive drugs, like fucking up your gut yeah. microbiome, um, there's huge like anxiety and depression linked with these drugs. Yeah. Um, they zap you of a lot of nutrients. Um, yeah. 
I'm, I'm not a fan, but I would never judge someone if they chose uh, to do it. I've actually got a client at the moment who doesn't want to come off it, but we're trying to support her health while yep. she's on it. So we're supplementing and things like that. I, talk, I spoke to Brendo a couple of podcasts ago um, about all his supplementation. This is sort of not talking about menstrual cycles. Um, uh, we're talking about nicotine and all the other CBD and all that sort of stuff. And he mentioned something like a, a good term and said, there's no free lunch. And he sort of, and I think that sort of uh, makes sense here saying, if you're going to do this um, and use these contraceptions, there's going to be repercussions. Yeah. You might get the benefits of having, you know, not getting pregnant, having more control of your menstrual cycle possibly. Um, but there's going to be repercussions like down the line. 100%. Do you think that makes sense there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I see that you are a fan of having blood work done um, to give females, coaches, GPs, um, a bigger picture of what's going on. Can you explain that process, what markers you're looking for, um, and then sort of how females can go about fixing things post getting that blood work? So it's all good to have that data, but what do we do with it? Yeah. Yeah, um, blood work, I am, I've just gotten into it in the last kind of eight months or so. Um, it's, it can tell a lot. It can tell a lot what's going on in the body. Um, a lot of women just go and get their hormone panel done, so a female hormone panel, which will be like estrogen, progesterone, um, LH, FSH. Yeah. They may do androgens like testosterone and um, SHBG and that kind of stuff, but we need to know everything so um you can't really tell much by just getting a female hormone panel done you need to look at liver function you need to look at white blood cells red blood cells um electrolytes or i get a full um i've got a list (laughs) that i send with my clients to go to doctors unfortunately the doctors are very hesitant to do a lot of doctors are like look at it this this bitch what's she on about i I bet they're like that (laughs) Yeah. And some people go like, who is this woman? What is her qualifications? Like, why does she want this done? Um, A a super important uh, marker is like fasting insulin and just doctors just don't want to do it. So there are ways around it. I can order them myself, but it just, it costs money. Um, So always try the doctors first, but it can tell us so much. So I'll take, I'll use uh, PCOS as an example. Um, So polycystic ovary syndrome, um, it, it, it gets diagnosed or misdiagnosed. Um, so basically doctors will do a scan and they'll see if there's uh, cysts on the ovaries. And this isn't enough to see if someone's got uh, PCOS. You need to do a full uh, hormone profile, including androgens, because if someone's got insulin resistance PCOS, then their androgens will be through the roof. So that's like uh, testosterone, uh, SHBG may be low or high. Um, yeah, you, you need to look at the full antigen uh, profile, yep. full antigen markers. And then you need to look deeper into that and go into the gut health side of things as well and, and fasting insulin. So it does get misdiagnosed uh, a lot. Yep. And blood work helps with that. So, yeah. So, off the back of those, um, let's just say, not even just the blood work. Um, a female sort of comes to you, they don't have uh, a healthy menstrual cycle or a regular menstrual cycle. Where do you start? 
what do you do? Right What's the process to get them to that healthy point or something that is healthier or more regular? What's the process that we go through as a coach or what can they do at home if they're listening? Yeah. There's two ways. You can hire someone to do uh, blood work for you and go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like, you know, go for the low hanging fruit. So I'd like to say, um, you know, and that's looking at your nutrition, yep. looking at your training. So how your, what your choice of exercise is, are you fueling your exercise or are you overtraining under eating? Yep. Um, I would also look at the stress in your life, like, uh, lifestyle stresses, you know, relationships, work, that kind of stuff. Um, but always start with tracking your menstrual cycle first, uh, yep. trying to figure out if you're ovulating is, is definitely key. Um, if you have PMS symptoms that I mentioned before, like acne or tender breasts, there is something that's going on. Um, you know, cleaning up your diet to have more whole foods in your diet can help. Yep. And I say whole foods uh, loosely because some diets that are too fibrous can actually cause havoc on someone that's got um it's always, issues it's always gut, something eh? always something <laughs> and gut and gut issues so for me to just say like go for a whole food diet and eat the rainbow would just be shit advice yeah so, so it is sort of got like like any sort of health ailment it's like you know sleep hydration nutrition recovery yeah. like physically you don't even have to call it training like physical activity those are sort of yeah still going to be there okay cool and that's not even and that's just in general it's not even going down that blood work route and actually looking at markers and oh such and such has increased and this has decreased it's just like how do i get this more regular all right track it clean your act up basically okay cool yeah i mean i prefer the blood work route just because i have i'm a numbers person i have numbers there i know what i'm working with um, I can go, like, I'm not just, you know, taking a stab in the dark. Well, it, it's, it's um, sort of so, like that, like just telling someone to eat less before you know how yeah. many calories they're eating, right? It's going to be, you're going to exactly. be more to the point if you're like, well, what are you eating at the moment rather than just, oh, yeah, yeah just eat less. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, a very general question. This one was from Instagram, but it's going to cut straight to the point. How do certain hormones affect your training? Um, is there... We had sort of covered this a little bit, but how much do they? Um, is it so much that we need to program around things? Is it so much that we need to have um, certain amount of rest days throughout the program? Uh, is there times we can train harder, which you alluded to a little bit before? Is there times where we should back off the intensity uh, I know you put a post up the other day about not no SIBOing yourself. And that's a big one that I always tell people, not so much menstrual cycle related, but I'm always like, hey man, like you can live off five hours sleep for one day. Don't make it a habit, yeah. but like, doesn't mean you have to be shit today. Um, yeah. Where was I? So how much do they affect your training? And, and um, more to that, what considerations would you implement to sort of minimize the aspects of the menstrual cycle that could be detrimental? Okay, first of all, it comes really does come down to the individual. Um, I wouldn't be able to just generalize and be like, okay, in your first half of your cycle, go hard at it. And in the second half of your cycle, um, just back off a little bit. Like for me, my training doesn't change hardly at all. Okay. Um, 
So it, I, I guess it comes back to how that person is in their luteal phase as well. If they're struggling with things like um, gut issues and constipation and diarrhea, they're already going to be fatigued just from having those uh, yeah. PMS symptoms. Yeah. Rule of thumb, though, estrogen in that first part of your cycle um, all the way up to ovulation and a little bit past ovulation as well, you're going to be able to train hard. You're going to be able to recover really well. Um, your energy levels are high. You're going to be, uh, you're going to tap into your carbs more, like it's easier to utilize your carbohydrates. Um, yep. So I reckon like judging off the women that I work with, it's usually like, just after ovulation around day 20 that's when i start to see a dip in um, how someone's feeling in regards to their training would you also say um it's very individualized and like one of my questions that i had for you as well is what info can a female give their coach male or female that's going to help them provide better programs and better coaching would it be you're sort of saying everyone's going to be different and that's like a general question, a general answer within fitness. A lot of the time when people want absolute answers, it's like, it depends. Um, yeah. Would you say like, if you're someone that has these uh, symptoms or heightened symptoms um, throughout certain periods of the menstrual cycle that, you know, you just need to communicate them with whoever's doing your programming or understand them when you're training yourself um, and then make the appropriate steps within your program? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yep. you, you have to communicate with your coach. Um, a part of my check-in when I check in with my clients is what day of their cycle are they? Um, what PMS uh, are they experiencing? So yep. it's it's a, it's a coach's responsibility, but it's, it's more the responsibility of the client. So you have to communicate with your coach. If you are trying to do a one rep max and it's five days out from your menstrual cycle, you're probably going to feel like shit. Um, and if there's no need to do that one rep max at that time, then postpone it, whether, okay. you know, a bit different if it's a competition or something like that, but yep. um, it's going to be a lot harder to, you know, uh, you know, go for that one rep max. Um, yep. I'm just using this as an example, or it could be, you know, uh, some people in that second half of the luteal phase where, where energy is really quite low, um, you will, you might want to, you know, strip back your uh, load and intensity a little bit more and just kind of still train, still move, but just, yeah, decrease the load and intensity. Okay. Cool. Um, again, it, come, it comes down to the individual. I hope I'm answering your question here. No, you are. So it's basically <laughs> we're trying to get those things like working concurrently so the program makes sense. So you're not, you know, haphazardly doing it or you're not, you know, planning things that are going to need, you know, every bit, um, yeah, if, well, yeah, you're not maxing out when you're feeling yeah. like shit. Yeah. Shit, yeah. I All mean, right. there's kind of two, there's two parties. There's like the party that says train around the menstrual cycle and the ebbs and flows of the menstrual cycle. Yeah. And then for me personally, I think that, if you're if you've got a new like a beginner and they're just starting out, I'll use lifting because I lift, you lift. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you've got a newbie that's just starting out and maybe you time their program a little bit more to their menstrual cycle. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you've got an experienced lifter, they they're they're gonna be used to lifting and they'll know their body a little bit more. So it's just um, yeah, just I kind of like for me, I'm not gonna change my change my program because 
I'm aiming for a competition and I'm, you know, decreasing my training. Yes, I might throw, like, say I'll use my cycle. Sometimes I might get my period on, like, say if I was getting my period on a Friday and I know that it's deadlift day on a Friday, I might not lift until two days later Yeah, because I know that I'm going to feel better. And these things should sort of be built into a good program anyway. Like nothing ever has to be rigid just because it's Friday and that's how it comes out on an Excel sheet. doesn't mean it has to be Friday. All right, part two, we are back. This is because I'm tight and I don't want to pay for Zoom, guys. We got to do it in two separate parts. I might have to put like a little ad in there or something. Um, So we've gone over a lot of what I wanted to go over. Uh, I think, you know, I've already learned a fair bit. Um, The one thing that I want to ask is, well, I know how to do it, but um, as someone who doesn't ask his clients about their menstrual cycle, hasn't in the past, would, would possibly get, you know, messages of such and such, not feeling that good um, on my period, blah, 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 that sort of stuff. That time of the month. <laughs> yeah, that sort of shit. Like just little comments like that. And, I, and, and to be fair, in the past, I would just be like, yeah, cool. Uh, do it when you can. That sort of thing. Um, yeah. How would someone like myself, who's not, you know, as onto it in this uh, realm as someone like you, how do I table it to my clients, my athletes, my members? Um, to say, you know, let's get sort of on top of this. Let's add this as something that we actually um, take to account with our, pro- with our programming, with our training. So would it be first up, just are you tracking it? Is everything okay with it? Would obviously be yeah. probably the first protocol is like, is there any time where you're feeling fucking terrible? Yeah. Is it, is it that sort of thing where like point me in the yeah, right direction I- as to how to table it to, my female athletes and clients? Yeah, I think the first uh, conversation that you can have with them is put the ownership back onto them. Like, are you tracking your cycle? Um, And then just being open with them. If this is something that you want to pay more attention to, which I think every coach uh, should. I'm definitely going to use this podcast as a, hey, uh, girls, (laughs) maybe have a listen to this. Go back to Listen to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Have an open conversation with them because it it does, it's a conversation that uh, shouldn't be taboo. Um, it does impact our performance. So just, I, I yeah. Think as open. guys, we think it's more taboo and the girls will be happy to talk about it. Yeah. Um, like you, we're, the, we're the ones that make it awkward and weird, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And once you, once you open up that conversation, watch. <laughs> You'll probably get overshares now. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah, apologize okay. for that. But, um, <laughs> but um, I think it's really important that um, you communicate. It's something that we do at Total Movement. So, yep. you know, uh, we do uh, group strength and conditioning um uh, classes yep. and tone will say to someone you know like they'll say are you feeling shit and he'll go where are you at in your cycle okay this yep. is why you're feeling like crap and you're feeling a little bit weaker maybe let's not do the conditioning today just focus on the strength part of the class yeah and so yeah it's just breaking that initial ice and then once you've broken it it's just it's super easy okay um, cool yeah yeah Sweet. this podcast is definitely going to be i don't know a bit of a springboard <laughs> yeah, for me i think with that a little bit of a yeah. i spoke to Faye about things have a listen let me know what you yeah. think get back to me if it's something that we can start to implement yeah. and you would and, have clients and, then, and members uh, that um you know want you to track everything want your help with sort of every little bit and then you have others that are sort of i'm i'm happy over here just like what lifts am i doing that sort of yeah. thing 
Yeah. yeah, definitely. And like I said, it comes down to individuals. Some people can just push on through yep. and some people need to uh, chill out a bit. So, yeah, um, I think like, I don't know if you do online coaching with check-ins and stuff, just a little bit, ice- yeah. like, trying to do more. Yeah. Yeah. So it's part of, I have a check-in um, every Friday or every Sunday, depending on the client and part of that check-in questionnaire is what day are you at? Did you have a bleed this week or are you experiencing any um, PMS symptoms? And more often than not, they'll, that's the, the two that people, you know, touch on and elaborate on the most. So yeah. with, if you do come across or if someone like myself comes across things that are looking abnormal, are giving people um, uh, female sort of problems, would it be a, this is hard to, this is putting you on the spot, but would it be um, someone like yourself that we would say, all right, this is out of my wheelhouse. And I find myself saying that a lot more, like it's not my area of expertise. I, I feel like I say that like a handful of times a week and I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Is yeah. it someone like yourself that they should be seeking out? Is it a GP? Is it a bit of both? Um, like, yeah, where, where, where would someone, if it does become a problem, and, and they are, you know, having grief with it or, you know, they're not having regular cycles, that sort of stuff, um, where should they go? I think um, a naturopath, someone yep. like myself, um, GP, like, I want Depends to say Depends if yes, you've got a good one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not anti-GP, good one, yeah. but I haven't had very many, uh, I haven't had good experiences. It's sort of like asking you to say you're better GPs. than Jesus, eh? It's like, hey, <laughs> say you're better than a doctor, Faye. Um, yeah, no, no, but, um, but it's there's a time and a place um, for doctors and I don't think yeah. um, I don't think hormone imbalances are um, their special their speciality and yeah. it's they're, not they're, like they're, they're, they're the same either, they're the same if that were, yeah. if you know what I mean so as a strength conditioning coach exercise physiologist I suppose that EP stuff you know you could go into that but it's just not something yeah. that I've got experience in so if I saw that like oh what I'm trying to do isn't helping you know, this needs to get handballed and that should be the same, you know, and I say that through stuff like rehab when people are getting rehab off a PT, it's like, well, I'm sort of over here, like, you know, degree in rehab, that sort of thing. And that's, it should be that handball should happen. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I've got, you know, I've got naturopaths that um, I'll tee up with and sometimes send clients to them and I know other health coaches as well. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. If you feel like it's not your your specialty and you don't have much information on it, then definitely outsource. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I'm just scrolling past all the um, useless stuff that I wrote down that we are not going to talk about. Um, all right. Let's get to some Instagram questions. Um, these are a little bit sort of more general for females. Instagram questions can be funny. Um, this first one, is there an ideal weight for women? Weight? And I've got As a, in body weight? <laughs> yes, body weight. And I, like, I think we all should know the answer here. Um, and we can sort of answer this together. Uh, definitely not. Um, yep. Because we have definitely to factor not. so much into it. Height, age, ethnicity, yep. muscle mass, previous exercise history. Um, yep. There's definitely a range, a healthy range. Um, that we should attempt to sit within and there'd be extremes at both end, both ends. Um, obviously with the sort of prevalence of obesity and metabolic disorder, the heavy end is 
very often scrutinized. Um, yep. But in athletic populations, the lower end can, and in weight class sports, that can be a problem as well. Um, so you definitely can be too small. Um, yep. I think everyone sort of likes to bag BMI. Um, I, I think, think it's, a, you I go. think there's a place for it. I think Definitely. there's a place for it with in the world where we're dealing with um, the amount of obese people and yeah, BMI is still uh, something that can be utilized. Uh, yes, it's not accurate. I mean, my BMI, I'm definitely overweight and um, <laughs> yeah. it's not relevant to me, but I do feel like there's still a place for. Um, I think um, the other one that I've used in the past uh, when I was working as an EP was uh, waist to hip ratio um, yeah. is a big one. Um, you're basically measuring small and that's something that you can do. I know, BMI can be a little bit hard for some people, shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but waist to hip is something that you can do pretty easily. And if you know, like most people know that they've got weight to lose. And if you can start to decrease that waist to hip ratio, and that's just basically smallest part of your waist, just above your belly button or at your belly button, biggest part of your hips, take the ratio, um, you know, and if you can start to see that going down, you're going to be yeah, on, the, on the right way. But there is that. Yeah. There's a range. So there's no healthy weight because we're all different, but there's a range. Obviously, if you're either at either of the extremes, it's not going to be considered healthy. Um, yeah. But that's like a loaded one. Like you, you're fucking ready that to get. That is very loaded. Yeah, you're just ready to get ripped upon and be like, yeah, of course <laughs> there is. Um, yeah. The next one, uh, should training change with your age, difference between a 30-year-old female and 40-year-old female? I'll let you take the reins with this one. I've obviously know the, like I've written stuff down, so. I'm putting Faye on the spot, yeah. um, but what would you say to that one? Um, I wouldn't say it's age specific. I would say it's where you are in the cycle of life. So mm -hmm. more like if you are someone who's 40 and now you're experiencing perimenopause symptoms, then yes, potentially your training should change. Um, if you are someone that is, you know, going through perimenopause and you're doing six hit sessions a week, you are going to screw yourself over. It won't so, be for very um, many weeks. <laughs> it won't be. And if, and usually perimenopause women are starting to gain weight around the midline. So what do they think they should do? They think they should restrict their calories. They think they should work out harder, do more, um, when really you should be probably training less, doing more strength-based uh, training mm -hmm. and changing your nutrition. So up your um, protein and look at your carbohydrate intake and make potentially the timing of your carbohydrate intake as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's more the cycle of where you are in your life rather than what age you are. Yeah. I that thought that sense. as well. I was saying like, it's obviously tough to answer all these questions in sort of health and fitness are like, yeah, it depends. Um, everyone's going to be different, like what your strength, fitness, body composition, training age is. If you're a 40-year-old that's just starting training as opposed to a 30-year-old who's been training since uh, 15, it's going to look very different. Um, if you've trained from 30 to 40, um, it might not look different because then you've got 10 years of fitness under your belt, if that makes yeah. sense. So um, I don't think 30 to 40 is going to look drastically different, but you have to take um, things into account. I don't think 
like we know that there's a decrease in estrogen, just like testosterone as we age. I don't think from 30 to 40, it's going to be drastic enough that you need to take too much into account. Yeah, it starts to de de like deplete around 35 to 40, estrogen does. What happens is when you're going through perimenopause, um, your progesterone is slowly going down and that's what the issue is. So your progesterone is slowly going down and then estrogen is doing this absolute roller coaster. Yep. And that's why women start to experience weight gain. They start to experience severe mood swings. Um, even like, like they almost, uh, Lyra Bryden calls it like the second puberty because yep. it's like all the things that you get from what you would have got when you first got your period. So you've got that roller coaster of estrogen happening and then progesterone is just slowly plummeting down like that. Yeah. So that's what's happening around that time. And that's what's causing, um, that's, well, that's where you need to maybe potentially look at your nutrition and your training to suit where you are yeah. in life. So it's very yeah. case specific, like most uh, health and fitness questions and answers. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one from one of the boys at the gym for his wife. Um, getting back to lifting after childbirth. Um, my wife has had two kids. Faye, you've had one, yep. only one? I've had one, yeah. Yep. Um, how was it with you? What did you, like, how, was it easy? Was it hard? Was there things you had to, um, you know, address, not address? Fill us in. Um, I was quite active before yep. I had... Um, before I had Alex and I was lifting before um, yep. I had him and then I was, I was in back into it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I had a, I had a C-section as well. So yep. um, I'm not going to say like, do that again. I'm going to say like, this isn't my area of expertise. I would go to a, uh, a, a women's health physiotherapist or something like that. That's exactly my can... first line. I said, work with post-pregnancy <laughs> physiotherapist. Look at that. Yes. We're there on the you same go. page. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's always, again, it's case specific and um, strength is going to be prevent, preventative for pregnancy as well as like doing an ACL or like a yeah. shoulder injury. If you're stronger and fitter going in before, you're normally going to come out, um, unless there's sort of drastic things that happen, you're normally going to come out with a better um, outcome in terms of fitness, strength, um, than if you went in, you know, out of shape, unfit, unhealthy. Definitely. Um, the big one, I suppose, is abdominals, pelvic floor muscles are compromised. Um, so exercise selection is important. You want to make sure um, intra-abdominal pressure isn't increased too much. So you're not loading yourself up. Um, yeah. Like it's sort of, it, it is common sense, but it isn't um, at the same time. Hips and lower back, a yep. little bit of decrease or maybe a lot of decreased stability due to joint laxity. Um, so yep, taking definitely. those things into account. I think yeah, exercise selection joint, is important. Joint laxity. Yeah, definitely. Um, so movements yeah, and that don't require that big, big breaths and holding your breath, no Valsalva maneuvers, no 1RMs, um, and just yeah. increasing intensity slowly, gradually, that sort of thing. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Cool. Um, is that something that you haven't come across too much in your, in your working and not too much um, post-pregnancy stuff with the Pilates? Um, I know that can really. sort of go hand in hand a little bit. <laughs> It's a real pain, actually. <laughs> um, women tend to start Pilates when they fall pregnant for some reason. I don't know why. Like they, they stop everything else and then they go, yep. I'm going to do Pilates, which yep. is like the, they think it's the miracle um, exercise for pregnancy. And, yep. um, and then even post-pregnancy as well, they're like, I'm going to do Pilates. But um, 
yeah, I don't work with a physio um, that knows what they're doing. Um, Yeah. I I haven't come across it a lot because I have no interest in it. Yep. No, that's that's what (laughs) Um, you're supposed to say. Like, that's like refreshing. It's not... You're, you're not trying to be yeah. uh, an expert in something that you don't really care about. And I like, I do that fucking day in, day out. Yeah. Um, I, I literally have no interest in training pregnant women or yeah. 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 So getting, getting back. Um, yeah. Just to finish that, that sort of um, that question off. I always say train what you can train as well. Like where are you not limited? Um, cause I, I see people pull the pin because they've got such and such injury. It's like, well, like your legs still work. Yeah. Like you still do this. You can yeah. still do that. There's so much that you can still do. Um, obviously you've got to be very wary, um, post having kids. And I think it's just not putting too much pressure on yourself to bounce back. It's not a race as well. Probably yeah, needs definitely. to be said. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And awesome. even, you know, it's more your mental health that, you know, you get women that want to bounce back like four weeks after having a baby when yeah. really like that time is to be spent with your baby and just yeah. to connect and yeah. Um, take your time. Like there's no rush. Yeah. All right. I think we've covered everything we need to cover. I think we could, this could be a very long podcast if we talked about <laughs> every single thing that makes females females. Um, so before we wrap up, thank you very much for your time and knowledge today. I know I've learned some stuff. I'm going to try and implement some stuff after this. And I know who to talk to if this becomes, I become too inundated with menstrual cycle stuff. <laughs> I'll be like, nah, fact. Um, Handball it. Yeah. Do you have any key points you want to reiterate um, that you want to go over, that you want to say, girls, go and do X, Y, Z? Is there anything like that that you want to leave us with before we finish up? Just start tracking your cycle and start talking about it with your coach more if you feel the need to. Um, if you feel like it hinders your performance, then definitely speak to your speak to your coach. Awesome. But first, first and foremost, track your cycle. And then your world will change drastically once you know what's going on in your body. Yeah, you can be a bit more prepared. Yeah. All right. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Faye, for joining me. Uh, we will get you thank down you. to the gym one day. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that one. Um, Girls, if I sounded like an idiot because I didn't know too much of that stuff, I'm very sorry. We'll go back to 21-year-old AJ and slap him and tell him to pay attention in lectures. Um, I definitely learned some stuff from that one. If you're listening, be a legend, rate, review, subscribe, tag us in a screenshot, tag me, tag Faye. You can find her Faye Instagram handle. What is it? At Faye Faye, at Faye Sheridan. Yeah, at Faye Sheridan underscore. I'll tag you anyway. It's all good. All right. I'll catch you on the next one, guys.